Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Welcome in the name of the Lord. Uh, things are a little bit uh, different this morning. Just had a, a song of worship this morning. We'll come back and have some worship at the end. Um, so appreciate your flexibility there. Um, I want to talk to you. Let me set the. You all know what this is, right? It's a it, what's called a T square, but it's actually a, a drywall T square. Um, it's. Um, I used it actually to finish my basement. I'll talk to you about this in a minute. <clears throat> Would you stand with me this morning? And uh, we're going to continue in our series in the Book of Romans, uh, but we have already passed our. Uh, theme verses for the series called Unashamed, but if you would recite them with me, that's Romans 1, 16, and 17. We'll be doing this uh, generally as we uh, begin the series each time. So if you want to recite this with me, that'd be great. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Thank you. You may be seated. Paul wrote this uh, book um, as review. Um, in about 57 is the last book that he wrote. He's in the town of Corinth, five, 600 miles from Rome. He's sending this letter to Rome in advance so that they'll know the gospel upon his arrival there. And so that's, that's where we're getting started this morning. Um, I, I do want to, there was a, a meme that was running around uh, Facebook recently, um, something to the effect that if your gospel is only freedom and love and no justice, well, you don't have the gospel, you have an Oprah Winfrey show. And uh, which is, there's some, there's some truth and some reality in that. And so I want to talk to you today uh, about a freedom and justice. And I really am thankful to the Lord as I, as I was thinking and contemplating and writing on this sermon. You know, we, uh, in, the, in the New Covenant, particularly uh, evangelicals, charismatics, Pentecostals, um, people that are perhaps not of a Reformed theology, more of a Arminian theology, and that may be a little in the weeds for some of you, um, we, we, can, we can focus a lot on freedom. We can focus on grace and, and liberty and, and all of that, but we also must remember that there, there is an element of God because of his love that brings justice. And um, because the Bible, if you don't know this, called canon, are you familiar with this term, canon? Um, maybe you're familiar with the camera, canon, the camera called canon. It's not with two ends like it explodes and shoots cannonballs, it's one end, and that canon means it's the standard. The word canon means standard or ruler. Um, and so that's canon, that's canon cameras. They say we are the authority, we are the, we are the ruler. But the Bible is called the canon, and it's the ruler by which we put our lives up against to make sure that we're measuring up. But there's something that intersects with grace. That's called justice. So what I did is I put some masking tape on the back here because I didn't want to write on my T-square. But I will write on here for you. 
Hopefully you can read this. This is the freedom that we have. But if you don't have justice that intersects freedom, you've got trouble. You've got sloppy grace and charismaniacs. Am I tracing okay with me? You found okay with me? If anybody pre-read the, the, series, the sermon material for today, you know where I'm headed with this. And so I encourage you to always pre-read because it just bring, gives you a leg up on everybody uh, uh, that uh, comes on Sunday. So um, I'm going to leave this here for us to kind of look at and, and contemplate. Is that straight? I want it to be straight. That's fairly straight, isn't it? Um, so that's an important aspect of our faith. Freedom, yes. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. There is grace where grace abounds. Liberty, go for it. God's gracious. But there's also an intersection point. You know, you talk about um, someone gives you a square deal. All the euphemisms, all the colloquialisms, all the language and verbiage we have, particularly in English, to talk about having a square deal. That's because there's this and there's this. It's your position, my position, and we come to an agreement. Well, God is in agreement with himself, and with love is justice. There is justice in love. We have to remember that. That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay? Everybody relaxed? Good. All right. There is a guy born in the early 1800s. His name is Horace Gray. Horace Gray sat on the Supreme Court of Massachusetts. He went on to be a Supreme Court Justice of the United States of America pre-Civil War in the, in the 1800s. So why is that important? It's because I, I know something about him because there was someone that stood in front of him. His name is irrelevant, but he stood in front of him and the judge knew that what the individual in court had done was wrong. According to the law, it was wrong. And the individual knew that what they did was wrong. But they got off on a technicality. And this is what Judge Horace said to the individual who just got off. I know that you're guilty and you know it. This is a quote from the transcript of the court. I know it and you know it, and I wish you to remember that one day you will stand before a better and wiser judge. And that there you will be dealt with according to justice, not according to the law. There's a difference. For man's justice is always subject to errors, but God's justice is perfect. No sin escapes his gaze, and though punishment is sometimes delayed as God does grant room for repentance, it is certain, but no one escapes God's justice on a technicality. Acts 17.31 says, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he appointed, that Jesus. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. One thing I really, really enjoy about doing sermon series like this is because it makes you address the wrath of God. Because technically, when I'm sitting and I'm praying, and oh God, you know, let's, let, what are we going to preach? What, is there a sermon series? And the Lord says, preach on the wrath of God. No, generally, I die, you know, but 
you know, it's, it's, you can do it. God is awesome. And what happens is if you don't hold yourself to the standard of the word, you'll never incorporate justice in things that you say, because we don't like justice. We like the law even because we can skirt the law. We can circumvent the law. Can't we? As soon as somebody tells me you can't do that, I immediately think, how could I do that? And still be true to the letter of the law. But not the spirit. Is anybody, you know, you feeling me this morning? Right. So here we are talking about the wrath of God today. Everybody take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. That's all way by, by way of introduction. You can get your Bibles out if you have them. Turn to Romans chapter one. We'll begin with our text beginning at verse number 18 of Romans chapter one. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godless and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Wait a second. The wrath. Now, you understand wrath. There could be your wrath, my wrath, but my wrath, you wouldn't want to be subject to. Your wrath, I would care not to be subject to. The thing about God's wrath, it's perfect. Right? Because he's just. Justifiable abhorrence, punishment, wrath, and vengeance. Where do we know this this word vengeance? Vengeance is... Right? Listen, here it is in Romans 12. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Same word there in Romans 12 as we just read in um, our verse number 18. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. Not, I might repay, you might get off, you will skirt in it, I possibly will repay. The chances are better than not. No, I will repay. He keeps track. He knows everything. I will. And God's not happy about that. He does get angry. He gets angry over sin. God has emotions. God has perfect emotions. So, God gets angry. God loves, God has compassion, God grieves, God can express joy, God laughs, God rejoices, God hates. God gets angry. Therefore, the Lord was angry with his people, Psalm 106, verse 40. God loves, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He has compassion. He can be grieved. We know the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can express joy. I like this. Psalm 37, 13 says, God laughs. God rejoices. Isaiah 20, uh, excuse me, 62, 5. As a young man marries a maiden, so will your sons marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so your God rejoices over you. And then there's this one that's a little more difficult, and that is that God hates. Psalm 5, 5. You believe the Bible, right? And you like John 3.16? We, like, we all like this. Get ready for one of these. Because it's in there too. And we just can't skim over the top of it. Psalm 5.5, 5, the arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. We'll come back to that, but for now let's keep reading. Verse 19. 
since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. What are we talking about? We're talking about the law. We're talking about the things you're going to be judged for. Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. There is no one that will be able to stand, even those who don't even know the name of Jesus will be able to stand in front of God and have an excuse. For since, verse 20, the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. In other words, the sun, the moon, the skies. So that people, that's you and me and everyone, are what? Without excuse. Now, I've studied the biblical languages. Let me tell you, I did some, got some really nice new software recently, did an extensive research on without excuse. People are without excuse. And you know what it means? Literally, without excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Inexcusable. Now, when we all get to heaven, what a day. Yeah, that's going to be a day of rejoicing. But wait, there's more. <clears throat> I don't know when you got to heaven. When you get to heaven, I don't know what sign you think is over the door. Maybe it's welcome home. Maybe you think the sign over the door says, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm, nope, those aren't the signs that are over the door. I was gone last week. Aaron did a great job preaching on uh, Noah. I watched online while I was driving. My wife put her hand over my phone so I couldn't like literally watch. Stop watching that. You're driving that guy. But I listened to it. I listened to it on the way home. It's good. And so um, we, were, we went to uh, my nephew's wedding uh, in some little tiny town in Missouri somewhere. And uh, I uh, made a reservation at the Holiday Inn there for us, uh, double checked it, got it on the app, it's on the Google Calendar. And I show up to the hotel, and I don't walk to the room. I don't go directly to the room. What do I have to do? I made a reservation. There's a room somewhere in there for me, but I still had to stop somewhere first before I got in. Had to stop at the front desk. Now, of course, you know, we make fun of Peter standing at the gate, at the Golden Gate with a big book and all that other kind of stuff. I don't know whether that, that's how it unfolds or not. I'll find out eventually. But you just don't waltz right into heaven. You got to stop at the front gate. And there's a sign over that door that says no excuses. You'll have no excuse. Well, that pastor hurt me. That deacon said something really bad to me. I'm sorry for that, what the pastor said to you. I'm sorry for what the deacon said to you. I'm sorry for what happened to you wherever it was in the church, but the church is full of broken, stupid people. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. We're the smart ones. We realize that we're broken. We realize that we need help, right? See? But there'll be no excuse. When you step up to the reservation counter... You may think you have a reservation, but there may not be a room for you. There's a lot of people walking around the world today that think they're saved because they prayed a prayer. Okay, we'll try again. There's a lot of people walking on the face of the earth today, but because some evangelist said, pray this prayer, and now you're saved. 
Listen, Revelation 21, verse 27. Nothing impure will ever enter it, meaning heaven. This is the end of the book. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. That's who gets in. Let's keep reading. Verse 21. For although they knew God, well, how do they know God? Because his glory is written in creation. They neither glorified him as God, or even gave thanks to him, but their thinking became wicked and idolatrous, futile, and their foolish hearts. This is the issue, because you got to understand, your relationship with God has so much less to do about what you do than what's inside your heart. That's why you can never, you can never put someone in heaven, and you can never put someone in hell, because only God knows their heart. Their foolish, their foolish hearts, they were what? They were darkened. There was no light there. Verse 22. Although they claim, ah, look how smart I am. Look at the degrees I have on the wall. Although they claim to be wise, they were actually what? Fools. Psalm 41, verse, excuse me, Psalm 14, verse 1, Psalm 53, verse 1, and other places says, quote, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. A fool. That's not, we in our vernacular, common vernacular, we would say that person's a fool, meaning they're unintelligent. But that's not, the, that's not the verbiage, that's not the language that the Bible uses. When it says, a fool has said in their heart, there is no God, he's talking about sinful people who don't believe in God. That's the fool. It's a foolish and a wicked thing to deny God. And I was thinking about that. I said, what about the atheist God? He says, there's no such thing as an atheist. Atheists has only made themselves God. That's the fool. There's no such thing as an atheist. They've only substituted themselves as God. So here's how God explains it in the next verse, 23. Y'all doing okay? Okay, good. Verse 23, we're rocketing on. And they, these unregenerate fools who trust themselves more than God, they actually have exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, for things made to look like mortal human beings, birds, animals, and reptiles. Well, that sounds so crazy. No one would ever do that, really. There are people today that worship their own body. Well, I got a six pack. Congratulations. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go by way of the worms just like this keg is. <laughs> Congratulations on your six pack. Hey, physical training is good. So the Bible says, right? Look how beautiful I am. That's wonderful. But everyone gets old. Where's Nancy? Nancy, you and me, right? We're just, the time keeps on ticking. We were just talking about this this morning. We're all going to die. <laughs> They're going to put you in a casket and put some makeup on you, and people are going to say, well, don't they look good? Like, what the heck? <laughs> they have ch- exchanged the glory of God for things like money. Money is their God. Emotions are their God. Possessions are their God. You got to build a garage, then you got to build another garage, then you got to have an outbuilding, then you got another because it's all filled with toys that are all going to rust. Not that you can't have them, not that you can't enjoy them, but if that's your goal, if that's your thing, 
You've exchanged the glory of God for stuff. Goes on to say animals. There are people that worship animals. Trees, mountains. Imagine God makes something and then you worship the thing he made, not the one who made it. And if you don't think that can happen, even with the most pious of people, then you ought to check the book of Exodus because Moses has just led the children of Israel out of the wilderness. He says, Aaron, try to herd these cats, I mean these people, as best you can because I'm going to go up on that mountain over there and I'm going to talk to God. He doesn't know, but he's going to get the Ten Commandments and he's going to bring them down. You've seen the movie. So I'm going to bring them down, right? Aaron says, no sweat. I got it, Mo. Go, take off. Week one goes by. Week two goes by. 40 days. That's all it took. And it all didn't happen on the 40th day. So somewhere probably around day 20, the people got restless. What'd they do? Went around, collected all the gold earrings, all the great gold baubles, all the gold bracelets, put them in a fire. <laughs> What's so funny? There's, there's, a, there's a scripture I love. Uh, Moses, this is Exodus 32, 20. Moses asked Aaron, Aaron admitted to, quote, collecting the gold and throwing it into the fire, and poof, a calf came out. Like, wait a second. You mean to tell me you just threw all this gold in there and poof, a calf came out? No. It took time. It took diligence. It took perseverance. It took intentionality to sin. They knew better. And so there it was. Poof. This golden calf. Oh, Moses was ticked. You know how ticked he was? I would not have wanted to ever double tick cross Moses. Here's what he did. Check the story. I don't have time to read it all for you. He took the golden calf. He chastised them all. He just wanted, he was done with them all, but God was gracious. He took the calf. He ground, it says it ground it up. No, he burned it, he ground it up, he sprinkled it over the water, and then made them all drink the water. That's what Moses did, which was kind in comparison with what God could have done to them. Oh, we're, we're so righteous. We, I would never, I would, when you say I would never turn, listen, but for the grace of God. It only took the children of Israel, Israel 40 days. And not even 40 days, probably around day 20, they said, I'm done with this. This ain't working right. Moses ain't coming back. I'm tired of eating this food. I'm tired of this water coming out of a rock. I'm tired of these birds landing in, the, in, in, my, in my camp every night. God was providing, and they just said, not even two, two weeks later, two, three weeks later, they said, we're done. What does that say about you and me and the proclivity, the propensity that we have God, I got this, God. You don't think that that type of thing still happens today? Let me show you another picture of another bull in New York City. It's right outside of New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, there's, there's bulls everywhere that get worshipped. So now look at verse 24, 26, and 28. I want you to underline three things because they all have something in common. Each of these verses have this phrase that say, God gave them over in their sinful desires. So listen, verse 24. Therefore, because of all of this wickedness, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. God gave them over to that. 
And then verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Why would they do that? Because it's more convenient, right? So they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and they served created things, which we've already discussed, rather than the creator who is to be praised forever. Amen. Here's verse 26. Here's the next time it said, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged sexual, natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. We're talking about lesbianism. We're talking about bestiality. That's unnatural. It's not natural. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Homosexuality. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, 28, here it is again for the third time. Just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to the depraved mind so that they would do what ought not to be done. God allowed them to persist in their sin. He said, this is what you want? There you go. Do you know that God doesn't always stand in the way of every sin? That's why you sin. Why is there evil in the world? Because there's evil people in the world. Well, God should just stamp out all the evil. Well, then he'd have to stamp on you. He'd have to just... Well, I'm not as... I'm not as bad. Really? Really? Okay, let's keep reading. In other words, God allowed them to have what they wanted. Who talked about this just a couple weeks ago? I think it was Ryan when he was preaching, talking about when the children of Israel wanted a judge. God says, you don't want a judge. Stay with the prophets. No, 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 we want a judge like everybody else wants a judge. Says, All right, man, here you go. He'll give you, he'll give you what you're asking for. Sometimes you don't want what you're asking for. And so they, he says, okay, there you go. I'm just going to give you over to what you were talking about. God gave them what they wanted. He allowed them to have what they wanted. Sweetheart, don't eat that chocolate cookie and then that ho-ho and then that ding-dong and then those Oreos and then da, 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 you're going to get sick. You're going to have an upset stomach. I want it, I want it, I want it. Okay, go ahead. Hope that works out for you. Well, didn't your mom make you smoke cigarettes when you were a kid? Was that your brother? Was that your mom that made you smoke cigarettes? Yeah. Wasn't that your mom? Said, I want to smoke a cigarette. She says, here. Or is that your dad? No, my brother was kind of taken out of that liquor, so my mom made me drink. Oh, oh yeah, that's probably not a good He was sneaking liquor, and she says, you want that? Go ahead, drink it all. Yeah, that didn't work out so well. But anyway. <laughs> right, parents? Sometimes we say, how's that working out for you? Not so good. You can't control them. You can't control them, but there's coming a day when something intersects with their freedom and they may get around with a technicality and you may get around on a technicality and you may think everybody's just all, but there's coming a day, there's coming a day when you check in at the front counter. 
Here's how it sounds. Here's how justice sounds. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is We like the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal. Yeah, baby, the gift of God, the grace, the freedom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the wages of sin is death. You can't have this without this. You can't. You cannot. You'll not have a square life. The wages. What does that mean? When you stand at the checkout counter, when you stand at the reservation desk in glory and God says, no, no, I understand you prayed a prayer, but that's not what gets you in here. Okay, this is a reckon, a day of justice, justice, not technicalities of law, justice. When you come in here, there's a new standard. You make, you, the, you earned hell. The wages what you get paid is because you earned it. Here's what it sounds like, James 1.15. Then after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Romans 6.16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to something you obey him as slaves, and you as slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way, uh, this, is, this is a killer right here. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. You can actually convince yourself that what you're doing is A-okay. Why? Because everybody else is doing it, or I, I take my, here's what happens, this is really crazy. My life's experience, my life's experience, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, I turned out to be this, I am this, I am that, I, I do blah, blah, blah. And so you take your life's experience and you bring it to the word of God to see if you can substantiate your life, your sin. Uh, yeah, I, think, I think there's a technicality right here between, right, there's a little technicality, maybe, maybe I can live my life right. No, you don't bring your life to the Bible. You bring the Bible to your life. You say, is my life lining up the ruler, the canon? Because there's coming a day when justice comes. And I want my life to line up. Hey, listen, sin is seductive. I get it. She's a mistress. And she never comes on in a full frontal attack. No, 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 no. The neighbor never walks across the street and just takes your clothes off in front of you. Guys, just doesn't happen that way. I'm not talking from experience. I'm just presuming that that's not how that happens. Your coworker. Well, I don't know how it happened, Pastor. You know, we had sex together. I just don't know how it happened. Well, well you work together, right? So then you made a plan. And you both met somewhere, and is that? Uh, and then, and then, you just didn't fall on top of each other naked by accident. I'm just, I'm just talking truth. That's all I'm trying to do is just talk truth. I'm not trying to be funny. I know we giggle because it's uncomfortable because it may be a bit of hyperbole, but in the end, it's how we all rationalize what we do. I don't know, uh, Refiner's Recovery, I don't know that there's a whole lot of people that start out on heroin. Seductive. 
don't know about you. I mean, back in the day, back in the day, the first one's always free. First one's always free. Here, try this. It's always free. After that, you pay in more ways than one. So let's keep reading. We're almost done. Verse 29. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. And they throw gossips in there too. Mm. See, you want to justify that you're not as bad as everybody. We're going to get into this next week because Paul's not going to let us off of the wrath. So please come back for next week for wrath (laughs) 2.0. Really, it's going to be awesome. Just telling you. But we got to hear it. I mean, if we want to be people of the word, if we want to be Bible literate and just not live your whole life eating sugar and bonbons, every once in a while, somebody's got to say, eat your Brussels sprouts. You're not getting up from the table until we all finish our asparagus. Then it turns cold. I don't care. I don't care. In fact, I'll tell you a quick story about Hannah. I didn't clear this with you, but I think it's okay because Davina's not old enough or Liberty's not old enough yet. Whenever I tell stories about kids, I always want to make sure I clear it with, like when I told a story about Hannah, I'd always tell the story, but she's still young enough not to really know that I'll do this. But uh, she got sideways with Hannah about something and she threw her grapes on the floor. And you don't want to do that to my, to my daughter. She says, you, you need to pick those up. She goes, no, I'm not picking them up. Liberty. That's what Liberty wanted. Liberty says, uh-uh, man, I'll tell you, Liberty is tough as nails. No, nah, I'm not picking them up. Two-year-old, I'm not picking them up. She says, oh, yeah, you are picking them up. So long story short, she went to her bedroom for time out to get her stuff together, actually fell asleep. She got a spanking, too, I don't know, whatever. But Hannah's got this little baby monitor so she can watch him in the bedroom. She's like the eye in this guy. And she's watching him, right? So Hannah has picked up all the grapes because the dog will eat them. But she said, I watched the baby monitor, and when that kid got up and she came up back upstairs, I threw those grapes back on the floor. (laughs) That's a good mom right there. Because you just going to your room, taking a nap, doesn't make it go away. Just because you hide your head in your pillow and you cry boo-hoo, and you want to blame a pastor or a church for your, it doesn't go away. Because there's coming a day. You won't stand before me. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm really not. I'm only here to warn you. This is coming. It's coming. It's coming. That's all. Let's keep reading. Slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. (laughs) Then this covers everything. They invent ways of doing evil. That pretty much covers everything. Everything can be perverted. And they disobey their parents. They got no understanding. They're not faithful, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decrees. Well, I don't know the Bible. You know that you know there is a creator. There are no such things as atheists. You know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve and support and promote those who practice them. 
and I'm, I'm only gonna tell you the one that's most prevalent right now is Gay Pride Month. Yeah, I went there. I feel bad about that. Well, I was born that way. I would disagree with you on the theological perspective at the beginning. That's your presupposition. I have a different presupposition. My presupposition, my presuppose, my presupposition is that everyone is born with a sin nature. That's what I presuppose. And whether it manifests in you at age one day or two day or age seven or age 20 or whatever, there, there is in some point in your life the ability to say, I really don't want this. I don't want to be a liar anymore. I don't want to be a cheat anymore. I don't want to be unfaithful anymore. I don't want to be a, a, a thief anymore. And so you come to yourself and you go, Ma, with God's help, I turn my back on that. And you can do the same thing with a homosexual lifestyle. I believe that. That's me. You may disagree with me. And you're free, you're free to disagree with me. But I'm just trying to tell you what the word says. God, well, it, I was born. God doesn't send people to hell for being a bank robber. You, you chose to be a bank robber. Choices. Well, I was born this way. God doesn't send you to hell because you were born that way. And let me just say this. <clears throat> Love the sinner, hate the sin. Right? Right. That's not Bible. That's not Bible. That's not Bible. It, it's something that we, we say. And I'm, God loved sinners. He told the woman caught in adultery. Go sin no more. It's all good. God take it. But for religious people, he had a whole other tack for religious people. We can talk about that. We'll go back to Psalm 5.5. Five. God says he, he hates those who do wicked. That's, that's, that's perfect justice. This is not thin ice for me. I'm not hesitant because of what I'm about to say. I'm, I'm hesitant on how you might hear it because I want you to hear it clearly. God doesn't send sins to hell. God says people to hell. People go to hell. That, that, that's a What? So when you check in and he says, why should I let you in? Any sentence that starts with I, you got to be careful. That's egocentric. You made yourself God. Well, I prayed a prayer. So you're, you're in charge of that. No, no. Third person, because of his great goodness, because of his kindness, because of his love. That's why I'm here. I totally trust in him. Nothing in my life is worthy to be in the presence of heaven, to be in the presence of the Lord, except the blood of Jesus has washed me clean. And that didn't happen. That didn't happen because you prayed a prayer. Jesus, from the day he entered the, the, the public ministry after his water baptism, drove into the wilderness, come back, first words out of his mouth. You know what the first words out of? Repent. That's what he said. When you turn from your sin, Jesus never preached a, preached a sermon and then said, all of you want to pray a prayer, come forward. Now, these aren't sacred cows, although they do make good hamburgers. But we got to cut it down. We got to break it down. When you repent of you being the center, you being God, you making all, no, 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 no. This is the rule. You don't get to make the rules. Well, I'm in America, the land of the free, home of the brave. Yes, congratulations. But if that infiltrates your Christianity, you are, you're perverse. 
You're perverse in your thought. You're perverse in your theology. You're perverse in who God is to you. God is God, not you. He makes the rules. And when he says, that's the rule, you don't get off on a technicality. Well, you might here, you might there, you might with me, you might with that church, or you go find a church where they're going to tell you what you want to hear about your lifestyle and accept you and wrap their arms around you and and fly rainbow flags out front. But that doesn't change that. Right here. Right there. Right there. And I say that with, not because I'm angry. I say it because you must have your eyes opened because you're coming to a judgment. There is justice in pure love. There is justice, not law. I don't live by the law. Jesus fulfilled the law though, didn't he? <laughs> Religious people, Jesus had no time for them. Matthew 23. I mean, I could read the whole chapter. Verse 13, you hypocrites. Verse 16, you blind guides. Verse 17, you blind fools. 23, hypocrite. 24, blind guides. 25, hypocrite. 27, hypocrite. 28, hypocrisy, hypocrite. You test on, you, verse 33, you snakes, you brutal vipers. Who's he talking to? The most religious people of the day. That's who he's talking to. Woman caught in adultery, love you. Love you. Please, don't do this anymore. That's grace. We do our best. We do our best. But there is coming. Jesus came for justice. Not law, justice. Unfortunately, our justice system oftentimes is not set up to produce justice. It's just set up to produce a verdict. Okay, I'll try again, because some of you been to court and you didn't get justice. You got a verdict. But but you you trust in this justice that though they may have gotten off. There's coming a day for them. For unto us, the child is born unto us, a son is given unto us. Right, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And he should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Oh, I love Isaiah 9. I love Isaiah 9. Let me find Isaiah 9. Hold on a second. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Major Prophet, Isaiah chapter 9. Oh, yes, I love, I love Handel's Messiah. I love the scripture. Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And he will reign on the throne of David over the kingdom and he will establish and uphold justice. Justice. He's going to do it. We can all play our little games. But there's coming a day we'll stand in front of him and have to give an account for our lives. Not because the Supreme Court said it was okay or not because your neighbor said it was okay or even you convinced yourself that it was okay. God is righteous. Psalm 5, 5, the arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who love, who, who, who do wrong. <clears throat> yes, love. When you persist in your sin, when you believe yourself to be God, when you create a golden calf out of something in your life and you worship it, Oh, maybe not every day, you know, maybe just two days a month you do that. 
See how long I'd be married to Cheryl if I said, two days a month, I'm going to be single. <laughs> this is what we do. I'm married to you, God. I'm the bride of Christ, except for the second and fourth Fridays of each month. Because then I go hang out with those folks and I do those things. What is that? I'm not threatening you. I need you to know I'm not threatening you. It's just my responsibility. And this is one of the reasons not everybody is necessarily cut out to be a pastor or preacher. There's a difference. Because I can look at some of you and I can think of some of your lives and I think to myself, this may not be the best thing to say today. Because I'd like you to stay here. Keep the butts in the pews, as they say in Bible college. If that's your goal, then you have the wrong God. I just have to tell you the truth. And don't, I'm asking, don't shoot the messenger, but a lot of messengers have been shot over the years. I'm just wanting to tell you the truth, and I want to tell you with compassion that Jesus loves you. He doesn't want you to stay in that, in that place with that thing, with that, with that problem that you've got. Because that problem is a nice way that we just, it's a colloquialism, it's an easy way to say sin. Now we all sin, but if you persist in sin, that's different than, oh my gosh, I just messed up, I didn't, that wasn't premeditated, and I'm so sorry, Lord, please forgive me. Boom, washed with the blood, boom, fresh start, brand new start. I'm all about grace and freedom and liberty. But if you... If you cheapen grace, if you cheapen what he's done by persisting in it, when you stand on that day for justice, you're in a bad way. And I don't want you to be there. Super serious. Romans, next couple weeks we'll be there. (laughs) Romans 2.5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepented heart, you're actually storing up wrath against yourself. You're storing up wrath against yourself. When Jesus came to earth, he didn't say go to church, stare at the back of, somebody, back of somebody's head for 90 minutes, sing a few songs, put some money in the offering, poly prayer to prayer, and you're going to be saved. That's not what Jesus said when he came. Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven For the kingdom of heaven is here. Well, Pastor, you wore me out. That's an awful lot of law. That's an awful lot of law. Didn't Jesus come to give us grace? Didn't he come to do away with the law? Jesus did not do away with the law. If, that's, if, if you've twisted the scripture to think he did away with the law, then we should just throw out the Ten Commandments. No, it says he fulfilled the law. It didn't, does not say, and he did away with the law. You want to know? Jesus himself said, Matthew 5, 17, watch this. Do not think, don't think, do not think that I have come to do away with the law. Do we have that? 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law. Do we have that, Joey? Can you pull it up for me? Thank you. I want him to see it. There it is. 
So the law is intact. And just in case you were to think that he did away with the law, he'd included this in the scripture. Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. No, 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 no. Keep reading. I have not come to abolish them, but I've came to fulfill them. So let's get that out of your theology. There is law. Stands today. There still is a law. Verse 18. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest letter, not even the least of the stroke of the pen from the law will by any means disappear. It's going to stand until everything is accomplished. Go to verse 19, Joe, if you have it. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commands, we know this, and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom. So, but whoever practices and say it, the, the law will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he says, don't stop talking about a standard. If it's all this, it's all happy clappy. It's all grace and joy and freedom and blah, blah, blah. That's awesome. That's great. But remember, there is a law. There is a standard by which all of your happiness and all of your joy and all your freedom will be measured by. That's the law. So you are absolutely free in that, inside of those confines. That's liberty. If you don't have four corners of the box, you are your own God. You make your own rules. Well, that's the American way. I'm pulling myself up and I'm in charge of my life and I'm going to go buy my, buy my 40 acres in, on a mountaintop in Montana and just me, me and mine and we're going to... No, 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 no. It's all going to come to a head. Whether you're living in a penthouse or the poorhouse, you will stand before God to give an account for your freedom. He who the sun sets free is free to thee. Go for it. Go big. Be anything you want to be. Everything is redeemable. But know this. God's, God's love has to be just. He's perfect. He's perfect in every way. Every emotion he has is perfect. Perfect love. Perfect anger. Perfect wrath. And if, you, if, that's, if that is a, if that is a uh, almost an oxymoron to your, uh, 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 um, um, uh, a paradise, no, perfect wrath. Perfect wrath. I am a wretch. When you hear this, it's not like, I am, I am beloved, I am strong, I am righteous. Yes, if, if all those things, those are what you are, but if some, somewhere in your recitation there isn't the acknowledgement that you are a broken, no good, disgusting person except for the grace of God, you just made yourself God because I can believe enough good things about myself. I am righteous, I am holy, I, this, I'm guilty. I like that. I want to print them out. I want to carry them in my wallet. I want to put them on my wall. I want to remember all those things. But if the one above it isn't, I'm broken, I'm busted, I am a wretch, I am a worm, then there is no such thing as an amazing grace because I have amazingly saved myself. I am broken. I only want to do evil things except for the grace of God and a regenerated mind 
We're going to get into it, Romans 7, Romans 8, if you stick around long enough for the ride with me. Right? What we're on right now is the roller coaster going up. Click, 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 click. But you don't get the joy of the other side unless you understand there's two sides to every mountain. Every mountaintop has two valleys. Now you can see why I had to start early today, right? The T-square of freedom and justice. See, we got this list of all these terrible things, which then, I'm going to just crack the door next week, leads us to believe, well, oh, they're so disgusting. Can't believe those kind of people. You just indicted yourself. Because your wickedness is just as bad as their wickedness. So why don't you zip it? Well, it doesn't sound like you zipped it. I am here to hold up the standard. This is my responsibility. Live your life in peace and quiet. Serve God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You have a hard enough time controlling your own self. Why are you trying to control somebody else and what they're doing? They will stand account for what they do, and you will stand account for your attitude about what they're doing. Well, shouldn't somebody tell them? Shouldn't somebody? I am right now. This is my responsibility. I just, I just can't get over the idea that some people think that they're saved because they pray to prayer. You're, you're, not, pray, you're not saved because you pray to prayer. When you repent and you turn your mind away, you turn your heart away, you turn your, I was doing this. But now I'm not going to do that. That act is a military term where I repent. I'm not going to do that anymore. I was doing that. Now I'm not. That's repentance, the way that I think and the actions that I take. But if you're trusting and I polyparoted some prayer last year, last month, last week, last night, your trust is in you. Your trust is in your prayer, not in his grace. Not in his love and his impending justice. I'm not trying to scare anybody into the kingdom of heaven. That is not my responsibility. It is the love of God that leads to repentance. I've been around enough preachers that want to wave a a crooked finger in your face. Turn or burn. Get right or get left. Oh, I know them all. I sat under some of them. All this and none of this. But there's a balance if you want a square life. There's an intersection right in here somewhere, which is your sweet spot in life. If you're all this and none of this, you're just as dangerous as all of this and none of this. Stand with me. Listen, there was a young man praying at the altar. And he's at the altar every week praying. Oh, God, oh, God, you know, because he... Lives like the devil all week long, then wants to get right on Sunday morning. Worship team, come on back, would you? Down at the altar, he's praying, oh God, oh God, oh God. Pastor comes, kneels next to him, as he did every week, while he was praying and repenting. God, this is his prayer. Oh God, these 
these spider webs, these spider webs in my life. There's, there's, they're just, and, and the pastor, having heard this prayer of repentance so many times in his life, leaned over and said, don't you think it's about time we killed the spider? You don't like the result of this mess in your life. We can't treat God or the gospel as the spare tire in the trunk of your car and only pull it out when your life gets flat. I'm going to live like the devil and then when I know, God, I know, I know, I should, I know, I know, I should. Well, listen, you go through all your whole life, you never even check the air pressure in in the spare tire. Listen, it is the love of God that leads to repentance. I love you, but God loves you more. To hear what you heard today about the impending wrath of God, because he is just. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory. Remember the song? His truth is marching on. He is trampling out the vintage. That's grapes. He's trampling out the grapes. He's tra- this is scripture. He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. That's what he's doing right now. What's God doing in heaven? Oh, he's singing and he's dancing. He's a happy Jesus. True. True. But there is a corner in heaven where God goes every once in a while and he just, justice is going to come. White horse. With justice he makes war. With a sword he returns. Not as a baby in a manger, but to judge righteousness. And it will be the most perfect righteous judgments ever. Because it's so sharp, it can divide the difference between joint and marrow. The difference between your thoughts and your intentions. Every thought you ever thought will be laid bare. And if that doesn't scare the bejesus out of you, you got something wrong with you. This is why we repent. Every day we repent. If you don't have a lifestyle of repentance, you're in danger of being your own God. I'm the boss. It's all good. I'm not as bad as them. This is a day of repentance for all of us. For me. My thoughts. I can't repent for you. I can't repent for my daughter. I can't repent for my son. I can't repent for my grand. I can't repent for them. Oh, yeah, that's why when you sometimes you go on encounter. So what's your prayer request? Oh, that you would change my wife. What? Manipulation is like witchcraft. We're not going there. Can't go there. How about we pray a prayer about you and your brokenness? How about we pray a prayer about you and your pride and your lack of humility? How about some of those prayers? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that would be me. That's why people come back from encounter all free. Because they encountered justice. A, a judgment of their own heart. That, Man, I'm guilty. Guilty. Yes, I'm, I'm free. Yes, I'm forgiven. Yes, I'm washed by the blood. But if that is all I have and I don't have, I'm a wretch. I am broken. I am, I am so undone without him. When you stand in his presence at the reservation of desk of heaven, you'll have the wrong answer. And I want you to have the right answer. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. That's what I trust. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. 
You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.